Hey, I'm Alan Hunter. You're listening on the Pantheon Network. On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders. Was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. They killed my brother in a poker game. Damn this town, I'm leaving. Daddy stayed drunk and it died insane. Damn this town, I'm leaving. Mama had to work, barely raised the kids. Tell you what a youngest boy did Damn this town, I'm leaving Damn this town, I mean at this time Damn this town, I made up my mind Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Perfectly Good Podcast, the only podcast on the internet that is counting down every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order. I am Jesse Jackson, and I have a sister who isn't a thief. Yes. And who doesn't work for the state. Neither of those apply to me, and it will be interesting to theorize how much of the song we're discussing tonight is fiction, because there are a lot of what could be biographical details in this one. They're absolutely, as you can hear, that is the wonderfully lovely and talented Sylvan Groth, and we are discussing Damn This Town. Uh, I am looking forward to this one Uh I always look forward to, but this is a fun one to discuss. So you got some Just the Facts? I have Just the Facts for us. This is track number one from Dirty Jeans and Mudslide Hymns, which is actually the second we've discussed from that album because I was a wimp and put Adios to California on hold. As a reminder, it is coming, everybody. It was released August 2nd, 2011, so it's hard to believe that it's almost a preteen album at this point. The album peaked at number 59. It features a band of Doug Lancio, Patrick O'Hearn, and Kenny Blevins, the greatest drummer of all time, in my opinion. It was the first album that John released on New West Records, and it featured, if you were lucky enough to get the deluxe version of Dirty Jeans and Mudslide Hymns, there's a great little DVD that I couldn't remember all the information that he shared about Damn This Town, but he actually does a little bit of an interview about every one of the songs on the album. And that's great fun to watch and listen to. They're all on YouTube, as well as some covers and a live solo version, which was released on Chicago Public Radio. The covers I found, I not to disparage, of course, but were all 
amateur versions and lovely versions, including our boy, Jake Thistle, as a quite young version of himself. And the others we put up in our YouTube playlist, and you are welcome to join those. We'll get into those, I think, when we discuss the song. But those are just the facts about Damn This Town. Yeah, I really enjoyed you included the little clip on that playlist of John talking about the song. And so that gave us a little bit of insight because normally he doesn't. We don't know what the song's about and he kept it vague. All right, we're going to come back. We're going to discuss the lyrics. We're going to have a lot of fun right after this message. Come back. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well... I could make a run to the store, or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything factor meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I also listen to a lot of music, so having high-quality headphones and earbuds are absolutely critical to my day. Oh, and I have numerous pairs. In fact, I have a junk drawer of used devices that have bitten the dust, so I've tried them all. Recently, I was sent a pair of earbuds by Raycon, and the first thing I noticed was the cost. Uh, Looks like their products are about half the price of other premium brands. Okay, that's cool. And the reviews seem pretty stellar. Okay, checks that box. So I got my Raycon Everyday Earbuds, a nice packaging to open, and what I immediately noticed were the pack of ear tips for sizing. Uh, I'll tell ya, I have small ear canals, Uh, I know a flaw. So to see choices for the best fit, uh, especially while exercising, (laughs) oh yeah. And yes, they were immediately comfortable. Sound quality was great too. Plus I have three EQ options that I love because I like more bass in my music and less in the podcasts. Eight hours of playtime for the battery is great as well. Surround sound, noise canceling, and awareness mode all included. I think I'm in business and I just realized I've had them in all day. Like I said, super comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash Pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash Pantheon.
American Criminal is a new true crime podcast from the studio behind American Scandal and American History Tellers. Every week, you'll fall deeper into the riveting stories of the country's most clever, craven, and cruel criminals. Fraud, theft, murder, and worse. Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the whole story until now. The debut season tackles one of the most sensational cases of the 20th century, the Menendez murders. In 1989, young Lyle and Eric Menendez brutally shot their own parents. Prosecutors and the press said it was a multi-million dollar inheritance that led two greedy rich kids to murder. But the picture-perfect facade this Hollywood family built hid troubling abuse. Could these teenagers have been driven to kill? Or was it even in self-defense? Listen now. Go to AmericanCriminal.com or search for and follow American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back. All right. Quick thoughts. Damn This Town. By the way, fun little title. It, it's a great song. And I think it's, as John pointed out, it is something universal. It doesn't matter where you grow up. You, you get to a certain age and you're like, this place is holding me back. It's not me. It's the town around me and everyone here is narrow-minded or everyone here just doesn't get me. And if I were to leave, life would be so much better. And how old are we when we discover that is quite the fiction that everyone tells themselves? Yes. Um, you know, as I posted in the Facebook group today. It's almost like it's a town full of, nope, I'm not going to say it. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that I graduated high school in 77. Linda and I met in 80 and we were, she had grown up in Lake Charles. I had spent a lot of my time in Lake Charles and we both were just that small town mentality were just there. And I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Gung Ho. I have with, not. Okay. So it's an older movie, Michael Keaton before Mr. Mom and before Batman. Basically, he this factory car manufacturer had shut down and he goes to Japan and convinces them to come to I the city. I've seen that movie, but okay. I did not remember the title. And that, yeah. that's a great one. Yeah. Yeah. And we always would say that in the premise is, you know, they don't want to change, even though they were all out of jobs, they didn't want to change because they were so rooted in a rut of doing things a certain way. And Linda and I would always talk about that that would be like Charles. They would be, nope. And we often would joke about that I used to make 35 bucks an hour working at the plant. And it doesn't matter that job's not there anymore. I'm not working somewhere for 18 bucks an hour. That's no, right. uh, not embracing the new reality. So end of the political rant. So I just point- have to add, since you shared that, I was also thinking about the fact that in 1978, my mom graduated high school and said, I got to get out of this place. Uh, went from Waltham, Massachusetts to New Orleans, Louisiana in your backyard, Jesse. Yeah. And had she not done that, Sylvan would not exist. But then she returned home to Waltham, Massachusetts. And we both had the same angst about we got to get out of that place. And we have both since traveled many hundred miles away from the damn this town that 
we would have cursed like the character in the song. Yeah. One of the earliest jokes in Take a Drink, Bruce Springsteen's on Broadway, is he talks about growing up in a small town and you got to get out of here. Mr. Born to Run, everything. He says, I currently live 10 miles from my hometown. <laughs> he said, born to stay. No one would have bought that. I Yeah, I think this is a really interesting talk. And as we're recording this, there's a little bit of controversy in Jason Aldean's small town. And this idea, he did not write it as Jason Isbell called him out on. But basically, it's romanticizing a small town America and how everything is good. And if we would get back to those small town values, a little unrealistic based on my experience in a small town. I think this is a clearer picture of what could happen in a small town. Do you want to start with the lyrics? Absolutely. They killed my brother in a poker game. Damn this town, I'm leaving. Daddy stayed drunk and he died insane. Damn this town, I'm leaving. Mama had to work, barely raised the kids. Damn this town, I'm leaving. I ain't gonna tell you what her youngest boy did. Damn this town, I'm leaving. So call and response. Yes, yes. we have a lot going on here. <laughs> the town killed him. The town is the blame for everything because of the situation, right? And then is his brother where he should be? Is he at a poker game that is not in a bad in a bad area of town playing poker with people he shouldn't play? We don't know. There are plenty of alcoholics in big cities and small cities and everything, but that daddy stayed drunk and he died insane. Such a strong line. And because dad was drunk and insane, mom had to work, couldn't spend time with the kids. And the idea imp implication is that because the youngest boy had very little supervision, I don't even want to talk about the trouble he got in. Right. And it's going to be very tempting to be really autobiographical or see this is very autobiographical, but John was the youngest son. Yeah. I can't help but reading that, whether it's a fictionalized version or John himself, I ain't going to tell you what her youngest boy did. It's the narrator saying, I'm going to air all the dirty laundry of the rest of my family, but oh, I'm, I'm not going to even tell you what I did. That's private, yeah. which I think is also a, a, an interesting little character detail of being protective of oneself, but not really showing that kind of concern for other people and their business. Yeah, and it's the cliche, right? If everyone around you is in a bad mood, you should maybe wonder, maybe you're the one that's in the bad mood and doing it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. We get to the chorus, right? Damn this town, I mean it this time. Damn this town, mm -hmm. I made up my mind. Damn this town. I love that I mean it this time. Yeah. Said it so many times. This is a town full of losers. I'm pulling out of here to win. There you go. You guys, give me the moment. I am... This is, we got to get out while we're young. Whatever, we want to go to Memphis in the meantime. I am out of this town. I am going, well, but uh, maybe. Pulling out of a pickup truck. Yes. yes. Well, we've got other stuff going on. So maybe we can't do that right now. And yeah. so I, I love 
that the thought, right? That what's and how many of us have done that? This time, I really am going to lose weight. This time, I really am going to start stop drinking. This time, I really am going to get that exercise and program and stick to it. This time, I really am going to learn how to play the guitar and whatever. And then something comes up and you find excuses to a body at rest stays at rest. Body at motion stays in motion, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And I definitely tied that line of at this time to the addiction and giving up the alcohol. And then all of a sudden you're back at the bar again. Craig Ferguson tells a story that he was on his way to commit suicide because he was just so sick of himself and someone invited him, have one last drink before you go. And he completely forgot that he was going to do that. So in a way, alcohol saved his life at that one moment, but it can also really keep you stuck. Yeah, absolutely. I'll go. I says, I got a sister who's a thief and she's filled with hate. Now she's got a job working for the state. Another brother just got out of the Florida pen, wears a bracelet on his ankle so they know where he's been. I assume working for the state is not at a state at the state employment agency or yeah. working on the highway could be, but it feels could be like any of those things. Yeah, yeah. But it feels like she's possibly incarcerated and then therefore putting out license plate, Tennessee plates. And then the brother, yeah. what? I, I just had the image of the state employee who started some kind of civil service job with the best of intentions to make society a better place, but then had been there so long and it's the dead end job. It's the same thing every day. It's the wanting to make a change and never seeing a change actually happen that boils one's soul and creates hate instead of hope. So I was seeing that kind of working for the state, the whether it's a social worker or even the DMV. I almost had a vision of the sisters from The Simpsons. Just And we've all been there where we go to the DMV and you stand mm-hmm. in line and you get to your point and yes. they it there they go and then they stop what they're doing. Then they walk to the printer, not in a brisk weight, and they pull that. Then they come back. There is no urgency in their thing whatsoever. So I was I personal tangent for a minute. When Chris was younger, like most young men, he joined the Cub Scouts, right? And for those of you who have been involved in scouting, there's a pack meeting which means all the different Cub Scouts are all there at one time and it's mass chaos and you would give out awards and we would say, okay, and it's a den. So when one den's on stage, there's another den on the side waiting to go up the stairs and then the other den is in their seats. And when that one leaves the stage, this one goes on the stage, the other one goes there. Keep it moving, keep it moving. And so we went to a mass. We've gone a couple of times and the they will sing a song and they wait till the very last tune has stopped. Then the person who's going to make the reading 
stands up, walks across the pulpit, uh, goes to yes. the lecture, does the reading. Yeah. Then walks all the way back to the chair. <laughs> and then the next person stands. And I'm just like, can't you walk get this while moving. that yeah, can't you yeah. walk while the music's playing? You're next up. So anyway, yes. Yeah, so I now you're I'm convinced she is working at the DMV or the driver's license or somewhere. And she's and she is unlocking the door at a minute past her start date and locking it a minute yes. before her end time. Yes. Yes. If it's 5, 4, 59, 59, she's, nope, we're closed. But no, nope, we're yep. closed. Yep, yep. 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 <laughs> That's an interesting bracelet he's got on his ankle, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so. I just, I, I love how he phrased that so they yeah. know where he's been not so that they know where he's he is yeah right. they, he puts it in the past tense which could just be for the rhyme yes. but i i really to me worrying about where you've been is a shallow kind of concern of what trouble not wondering where you are concerned for your present safety and concerned for you as opposed right. to concerned of the damage that you might have done elsewhere yeah. So it's that small little linguistic choice that I, I think just fits the tone of the song so well. It really does. We get the chorus again. So you want to go do? to the next verse? Sure. Couple of sisters made it out all right. Brother in the army fighting for his life. There must be some kind of reckoning, a righteous judgment for all these things. And I am going to remind just if you're doing the math and trying to line this up i i am very convinced that this is fiction mike elliott take a drink in his book reminded us or shared that uh the hyatt family was made up of four boys and three girls john is the youngest boy and he talks about being stuck at home with the three girls uh after his other brothers moved on yeah uh, yeah and and i do think there's this tinge of you'll hear writers say in a lot of ways every character is them yeah and and i think this is the beauty of a small town a couple people did make it out all right they did they went to school or they got a career they moved on maybe they met people other than who they went to high school with and that yeah and then and it is a one of the known things that one of the ways to get out of to change your social status is to go to the military they will give you training they will they will they help you support unfortunately you also you there's when there's a war happening i remember yeah. the army recruiter saying that when he was high school and he says and we're not at war right now but understand that we're here he said i didn't realize that till i got my papers to go to vietnam and then i went oh wow okay recruiter didn't mention this part of it and i i love that there must be some kind of reckoning a righteous judgment for all these things is our narrator unhappy that they got out does he want them to be stuck in this damn town or is he jealous what are your feelings I think that's a great way to think of it. What I really love about those lines is to me, when we talk about reckoning and judgment, 
it is traditionally in the idea of some kind of higher power judging the mortal souls that have moved on or are standing before him. There's something about this line that I have always took to mean I'm going to make the higher power and the one pulling the strings stand and explain him or herself for the pain that these humans have gone through. I feel like the judgment and the reckoning is actually the narrator saying to someone, hey, what the heck? What was this all about? And asking for a reason and an explanation and hey, none of us deserve this and you're going to have to pay for it now. Oh, I love that. I I love that a lot. Then they say, let's all I got to say about my family. Damn this town. I'm leaving. Maybe you'd like to know a little about me. Damn this town. I'm leaving. I'm 58 years old. Still live at home like a kid. Damn this town. I'm leaving. Now I can't help my mom until tell you what her youngest boy did then this town I'm leaving it is we do have some people that um, never get out of the cycle right when I went to my high school reunion there were tons of people that never moved away from Lake Charles they some of them got jobs at the plant some of them got other jobs and they're still there. No thought about. And it is while Linda and I were like, yeah, we got to get out of here. We got to do something different. And there is a sadness to this. And there is an anger to this song. The different versions when John did it, we ran videos, right? What There was him doing it solo acoustic. There was a band version. We I listened to the, the CD version. And I just, I love this angry John, this, and as he talked about in the interview, none of it's my narrator's fault. It's all somebody else's fault. Yeah, absolutely. And I I have to take a nod to the production now. I, Kevin Shirley really, I, he approached John by saying, I think I know what you're trying to do and I can help you get there. And I really think he hit it out of the park. Musically, tonally, this song delivers exactly what all the words do. There's like this kind of ominous opening and then this chorus and the rocking guitars that just scream the anger and the repetitiveness that gives you the kind of claustrophobic stuck feeling. And then at the end, I do feel like that last fade out. I don't know if it's a symbol clash or something like that. Just, it feels like that reckoning that he said is coming and that there's something that happens after he says, Oh, I'm not going to tell you, or I can't tell him, can't let mama tell you what her youngest boy did Yeah, that you, he might not be leaving under the best of terms with a sign on the back windshield saying, Hey, you did it. You're getting out more just like running from something. Yeah, I absolutely do. I agree. And I did, I agree with you. I love the music in this song. I love John's voice on this. So yeah, really good stuff. What else? Anything else you want to cover? 
Speaking of covers, I love the versions that we heard and it was really neat hearing different voices and different tempos and things like that. With all the love and respect to Jake, I think he might've been a little too young when he tackled this one. Yes, I Because think. it's very difficult to hear anything but a grizzled male right. voice do this. Yeah, I personally would love to hear a female version a couple of little tweaks because with due respect my brother in musical <laughs> journeys yeah. I, males don't have the monopoly on right. these emotions exactly yes yes and again i i can't help but think of the town that i was born in which was actually not born in but raised in my mother was raised there too and i always had this feeling that she went to the same high school I went to. Teachers would say, oh, which of the Groth kids is your parent? And th that claustrophobic feeling of you're living in someone's shadow and you can't yes. make your own way. And I was like, I just can't wait to get out of here. We both did. But what's really funny is because of the nature of the Boston suburbs, Neither of us could live there if we wanted to now, if we right. you know, tried to go back. And I went from a town of about 10,000 people to a town of 600 people and somehow feel less claustrophobic or less judged. Or That's great. Um, yeah. I, I, like I said, there's a lot of, there's a lot of thought in this. And as I was listening to this and, and I, I did think of people who are, stuck in that rut, stuck in that wheel, whether it's economically or with through addiction. But yeah, a really powerful song by John. And I agree with you, the production of it is really well done. So, yeah. yeah. Just one other thing that stuck out to me listening to it today was the I'm 58 years old, still live at home like a kid. It's interesting. That feels like in a very American line that would not translate to a lot of other cultures. The idea that like to still be with your parents into old age would be some kind of failing, like things went wrong, yeah. which in this case, we can probably assume it did. But the idea that you have to get away from your parents, I do think is culturally not necessarily unique, but very American. Whereas if we were listening to a, a, a singer from India sing it or something like that, and I'm 58 years old, still live at home. Of course, you're keeping your parents yeah. close. And, yeah. Yeah, I, I do think that's, I hadn't thought about that. But yes, it is very much that, right? Good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very good point. Cool. All right. I forgot to look. Is it your turn to first or mine? I'll, I'll go first. Okay, okay, you go first. Yeah, I think this is a solid four. I just, I think this is a, he's having a lot of fun with it. I, I Whether it's autobiographical or not, it feels like it is. He is telling a little bit of himself or speaking for others who have a similar experience. So I, yeah, I'm going to give it a four. Okay. I was leaning toward a three because it's certainly not my favorite of his songs and it's not necessarily one that I would put on to introduce them, someone to his music but it, if I knew something about their musical taste there are many reasons I would and I yeah. do think it says something 
about an individual and about our society. Like I, I'm going to give it a four just on the line, wears a bracelet on his ankle. So they know where he's been. That is so well-crafted and so evocative. And I think that's all to say. It's a great song and it doesn't need to be personal without being emotionally impactful. Yeah. Well done. Good. All right. What do you guys think? Let us know. We we would love to hear your thoughts on it, whether you, if you agree with our ratings, what would you think? If someone wants to reach us, how can they? They can email perfectlygoodpodcast at gmail. They can uh, find our Facebook uh, page. I am Sylvan Groth on Facebook. We often make ourselves right at home at the John Hyatt fan page on Facebook. I am Sylvan Green Eyes on Twitter. And you, Jesse? So I am at Jesse Jackson DFW on Twitter or um, X or whatever it is. Yes, we do have a voicemail 469-249-2442. If you want to leave a quick message to talk about the podcast as we are planning, as you heard earlier, we are trying to get a audio birthday card to John. Uh, so we're recording this at the beginning of August. If you're hearing this down the line, you missed remember it. Remember next year. Yes. Remember next year because we were going to try to do this annually. But yes, get your voicemail to us, our recording with your name, where you're located, a birthday message for John. Get it to us by August 16th. I think that's it, right? I think that's it, except have a little faith. Have a little faith. Bye. Bye-bye. Baby, we can come on home Put the cow horns back on the Cadillac And change the message on the quarter What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions, and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, the Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at IntoHistory.com.